Welcome to the Plan B CRNA podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Jones, and I wanted to let you know that I'm changing things up a bit this summer. One of the benefits of passive income is being able to buy your time back. And that means for me, it's time for a vacation. It's pretty tough to do interviews though when I'm out of town. So in lieu of guests, I've decided to provide some education about real estate and apartment investing since this has been the key to my own financial freedom. I'll cover various topics that are integral to your own understanding for the entire month of July. Don't worry though, I'll be back with more Provider Spotlight interviews in August. In the meantime, I hope you enjoy your summer and these episodes. Now, on with the show. My name is Bobby Jones, and I'm a retired CRNA turned apartment investor. When evaluating apartment buildings, a simple grading system is used to classify different assets. Similar to a report card, apartments get a letter grade ranging from A to D. And no, there aren't any Fs. Those kinds of buildings would just be torn down anyway. So let's look more closely at these different asset classes and how I determine which ones to invest in. Class A apartments are the creme de la creme. They're at the top of the class. These are luxury apartments in the best neighborhoods with access to the best schools. You'll also find that they have the finest features in the apartments themselves. Granite countertops, stainless steel appliances, hardwood floors, exquisite tile work. They're often newer in construction as well. These complexes don't skip on amenities either. It's common to see clubhouses with full-service gyms, resort-style pools, rooftop patios, and the like. As a result of these features and amenities, these apartments also command the highest rents from residents who often have high-paying, relatively stable jobs. Moving on to Class B apartments. Now, these may be a step below Class A, but they're still you know, pretty great apartments. They're often in nice neighborhoods and close to nice shopping and entertainment. They tend to have good features as well with nice but not fancy kitchens and bathrooms, high quality hardwood lookalike flooring and solid surface countertops. While they tend to be a little bit older than class A built within the last 20 to 30 years or so, they tend to be very well taken care of. Amenities can vary though. Uh, Some may compete with those class A amenities while some are more sparse in nature. It all depends on the market you're in. I think the main thing here is that there's just more variability in the class B assets than there is in class A. As such, class B rents are generally lower and appeal to more of a working class resident profile. That target is actually a huge benefit to investing in class B assets though, and we'll get to that later. Class C apartments. Well, let's just say if I ever received a C in school, my dad would have been all over me. No, getting a C is not terrible, but it's not exactly what anybody's really shooting for. That's kind of what Class C properties are like. They're just kind of there. They're not falling apart, but they're not catching your eye either. They're in okay neighborhoods with okay schools. There's often some kind of deferred maintenance on this property, whether it's an older roof or peeling paint, dated kitchens and bathrooms. While some may like that vintage look, most folks would prefer some upgrades. And this opens the door for potential investors to come in, provide some improvements, amenities, and operations and profit from those. Again, these properties appeal more to working class folks who have less wage flexibility. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Often some of those folks are the best residents who you'll have. They're rock solid on paying their rent, but they're just priced out of their local real estate markets. You can also have a small percentage of Section 8 residents as well, depending on which market you're in. Class D apartments, though, we started from the top and now we're here. We've reached the bottom. Class D apartments are places that you would generally avoid living in yourself. 
there's usually plenty of deferred maintenance to go around, uh, a lot of neglect. They're also in rougher areas of town with poor schools and potentially crumbling infrastructures. There's also a higher percentage of Section 8 residents in general. Some investors actually like investing in these areas, though, and they do very well. They've built in larger contingencies for expected problems, such as increased evictions, rent variability, and property damage. And they accept those challenges as a part of doing business. They often enjoy that automaticity of Section 8 payments, okay? They get those from the government. Those come in on time every month, after all. These properties aren't really my cup of tea, though. So how should you invest? I mean, you know, that's probably the reason why you're watching this video. That's what you really want to know. Well, unfortunately, I can't really tell you that. I don't know you uh, per se. So it it all depends on your own risk tolerance, uh, the involvement that you want to have in a property and and the perceived community impact that you want to have with your investment. You can be successful in any asset class. There are investors in all four of these areas that are just flat out killing it. So uh, for me, though, personally, I prefer to diversify amongst class A, B, and C properties, with most of my focus on the sweet spots of classes B and C. The middle class assets provide the most potential value for investors while greatly impacting the communities around them. So why are class B and C so great? Well, they present more opportunities for adding value to the properties than, uh, you know, let's say a class A property does. They have strong bones, but they need cosmetic upgrades to approve, improve their appeal to residents and increase those potential rents. These are kind of like fix and flips, but they're just on a much grander scale. Operators are providing value to residents through upgrades. The property's worth more because rents tend to go up over time, and the operations are run more smoothly, so it costs less to run these properties. It's a win-win for residents, for operators, for investors. Everybody involved gets a win here. Plus, B and C properties are the most recession-resilient asset classes. There's always demand for these types of properties. In good times, people want to upgrade their lifestyles. So class D moves into C, C into B, and so forth. This shift makes class D more vulnerable to vacancies in good times. Conversely, in down markets, people may make less money, and a similar downward cascade can happen. Folks may find it harder to afford the finer lifestyle offered by Class A apartments. So they'll move into B and B into C and so forth. So I don't know if you've noticed either, but there isn't a whole lot of workforce housing going up lately. If you do see new apartments in your community, they tend to be Class A. And that's a result of the increased labor and building costs. You know, those Pacific Northwest uh, forest fires are really affecting the lumber market and those prices have skyrocketed. So that makes the higher revenues from Class A properties much more attractive for builders and investors. If you're going to build something, you might as well make more money for it. As our population continues to rise, though, we're really starting to see the effects of shortages in workforce housing. Uh, Essentially, this translates into higher occupancy rates for those Class B and C properties uh, above other asset classes. And the demand there also tends to drive rents farther up. At On Call Capital, I work with experienced operators in markets across the country to provide investors with the best apartment investing opportunities. I focus on class B and C properties with a little bit of class A sprinkled in from time to time. This allows investors to build wealth with great cash flow and steadier returns above those of the overall stock market. If you've looked at all into real estate investing, it's likely you've run into the phrase, 
all real estate is local. And there's a reason for that saying. I don't think anyone would argue that the New York and Atlanta markets are similar to those in Sandusky or Santa Fe. Even though individual markets can be very different from each other, there's a way that investors can organize them into different pots, if you will. Cities are typically grouped into primary, secondary, and tertiary markets, depending on varying factors. As I explained, just keep in mind that there's some fluidity here. Some markets like Miami or Philadelphia can be considered as either a primary or secondary market, depending on which article you might read. Sometimes a secondary market can act like a primary or vice versa. A tertiary market can turn into a secondary one in a decade if the economic drivers are strong enough to drive that population growth. This is more of a guide, is what I'm saying, than hard and fast rules. So let's talk about primary markets. These are also known as gateway markets. They're the centers of long-established commerce and population. Think New York, Boston, D.C., Chicago, L.A., and San Francisco. They're generally areas of intense investment and competition between some of the top private equity funds, REITs, and investors in the world. Moving on to secondary markets, these can offer many of the same amenities as primary markets, but they tend to be more spread out than those primary markets are. Think of your Houston's, Raleigh, Atlanta, Kansas City, Seattle, and Salt Lake City. Still very large cities, but not necessarily you know, on par with, you know, say New York or LA. Uh, Metropolitan populations in these areas typically range between one to five million people. And they typically are experiencing really booming populations and economies. So moving to tertiary markets, these are considered to be more of, let's say, emerging markets with steady but controlled job growth. They typically have populations under a million for those metropolitan areas with wildly differing combinations of economic drivers. So what does this all mean for you as an investor? Well, these markets all behave differently from one another in predictable ways. One way is to look at your cap rates. Investors start hand-wringing when they see that cap rates are falling in primary markets. And, And all that means is that things are getting more expensive to buy making it harder to make those great profits that you might have become accustomed to. But cap rates in primary markets typically lag those in high growth, secondary, and tertiary markets because it's more of a product of that intense competition between the bigger pocketed equity funds and foreign investors. According to real estate research firm CoStar, cap rates in primary markets have fallen to a range of 2 to 4%, down from peaks of 4 to 6% in recent years. Meanwhile, Cap rates in high growth markets have held steady between 5 to 7% because those markets are largely ignored by institutional and foreign competition. So this means that primary markets are just different from high growth markets. Higher rents and cost of living are driving folks away from those primary markets, despite their deep-pocketed investors. They go to those high growth secondary markets with the same amenities and a lower cost of living. This makes high growth areas less volatile in downturns and gives investors steady increases in commercial real estate rent rates as well. In fact, when you look at the top 10 cities for rent growth in 2019, there isn't a primary market in the bunch. And that's why as an investor, you should take a look at private companies that are operating in those secondary and tertiary markets. They tend to have lower fees and overhead versus the big funds in those primary markets. Plus, they invest in these higher growth areas and are more nimble in their decision-making and their ability to adjust to market changes. 
At On Call Capital, I want to help you reach your financial goals with strong and steady returns. It's important to choose the markets you invest your hard-earned dollars in carefully. And that's why I partner exclusively with private multifamily operators working in those high-growth markets. That's how I provide investors with the best opportunities in multifamily investing. That's going to do it for the show. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Plan B CRNA podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, make sure you hit subscribe and give us a five-star review. This show only grows because of you, so make sure you share it with a friend, family member, or colleague to help them on their own passive income journey. And if you'd like to know more about me and gain access to passive investment opportunities, make sure you find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, or visit my website at www.oncallinvestments.com. This is Bobby Jones signing off. Until next time, be safe and take care of each other out there.